Today's Live on Web episode, 2017, an ELD Odyssey, is sponsored by VDO Roadlog. Hello, and welcome to 2017, an ELD Odyssey. I'm Seth Clevenger, technology editor at Transport Topics. In today's Live on Web program, we're going to tackle some of the most pressing questions concerning the rapidly approaching federal mandate of electronic logging devices, or ELDs. How will this regulation change the trucking industry? What steps will fleets and drivers need to take as they move from paper to electronic logs? How will the trucking technology market evolve? How will the mandate affect freight capacity and driver productivity? And what do you need to do to prepare? We're now just 12 months away from the ELD compliance date of December 18th, 2017, and the clock is ticking. This coming year will be a time of transition for the industry and the journey toward ELD compliance will be especially crucial for first-time adopters of onboard technology. Nearly all carriers whose drivers currently are required to keep paper logs to record their hours of service will need to install ELDs in their trucks during this time frame. While these devices won't be quite as sophisticated as HAL 9000, they must meet the technical specifications outlined in the final ELD rule published late last year by the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. To help us unpack all of this, I'm pleased to welcome several guests to the program. First is Steve Rush, president of Carbon Express, a bulk carrier based in Wharton, New Jersey. He is also a past chairman of the National Tank Truck Carriers Association. We also welcome Alan Boyd, a professional driver for Walmart Transportation with 35 years of experience and over 3 million accident-free miles. Alan also represents the industry as an America's road team captain. Also with us is Rebecca Brewster, President and Chief Operating Officer at the American Transportation Research Institute, or ATRI. And joining us remotely from California is telematics analyst Clem Driscoll, founder of CJ Driscoll & Associates. Later in the program, we'll also hear from Derek Powell, President and Chief Operating Officer at Velocity Inc., a company specializing in technology deployment services for fleets. Our program today is sponsored by VDO Roadlog. You can read more about them at the bottom of this page. And as we go, we also want to hear from you. Email your questions or comments about ELDs to share at ttnews.com, or you can comment directly in the box at the top of this webpage. So thank you all for joining us. And I think a great place to start would be to, to go through some of our panelists' experiences with uh, e-logs themselves, implementing e-logs <coughs> and the differences they've seen in their operations since. So Steve, could you take us through you know, your experience at Carbon Express? Uh, what was it like when you guys made that transition from paper to electronic logs, and, and what differences did you see in your operations? Sure, Seth, I'd, I'd love to share that with you. Uh, we began the transition in 2008 and took about two years to change the culture because the prior culture had not really enforced the hours of service. So we took two years to build into it um, and went very slow and very cautious with company drivers and owner operators. And in the end, uh, we found it to be highly accepted by all drivers, both owner operators and company drivers. And uh, frankly, it made me a better owner and it made us a better company. Got it. And Alan, uh, same question to you. What was your experience like when you made that move from, from paper to, to e-log? Well, I'm, I was like a lot of drivers, I mean, a little bit reluctant on, on the technology. I mean, I've been doing paper logs for a long time. Right. Uh, and at, at Walmart, we were allowed to volunteer. Uh, and, of course, I was one of those that said, you'll get my paper log when you pry my cold, dead fingers off of it. Right. Uh, 
but as we went along, I, they actually put me in a position of training, which uh, I assumed that probably the best way to train was to be on it. Mm -hmm. uh, and really, once I got on it, uh, we, we actually did uh, paper log and the e-logs for about a week mm -hmm. uh, to try to transition. Together. But to be honest with it, it I mean, in a day's time, uh, it was it was very er, very evident that it wasn't going to be that difficult at all. Okay. Uh, with that foundation, I wanted to turn to uh, Rebecca. Uh, you know, since uh, FMCSA had published the final rule a year ago, uh, ELDs certainly have become one of the top issues in the industry. Uh, in fact, the ELD mandate jumped all the way to the top of Atri's list of the top industry issues uh, you know, uh, this year in 2016. So, Rebecca, could you uh, quickly kind of give us an overview of uh, what you saw with that this most, re most recent survey in 2016? Uh, seeing how this, this industry just, this, you know, this issue, this mandate just skyrocketed to the top of, of what's at the forefront of, of the minds of carriers and drivers. Absolutely, Seth. So, uh, as you mentioned, this is an annual survey that ATRI does of the trucking industry at large. So we have both motor carriers and commercial drivers who respond to this survey. Mm -hmm. uh, we provide a list of some 30 different topics that the industry or issues that the industry is experiencing and respondents to the survey are supposed to pick their top three. Um, for the past three years, the hours of service rules has been the number one issue in this survey. But in the 2016 survey, as you mentioned, which we released the results of in October, the electronic logging device mandate jumped up to number one. Right. Uh, it first showed up on the survey in, uh, let me look at my notes here, 2012. It showed right. up at number six, and it was at number five for a couple of years, dropped back to number six, um, and then shot up to number one this year. And like I say, it surpassed the hours of service, which had been the top issue for, for the past three years. And it's interesting when you dissect the responses to look at those from motor carriers versus drivers, on the motor carrier side, the driver shortage is number one, but the electronic logging device mandate is number two. So mm -hmm. still very high among just the, the motor carrier respondents, but still number one for drivers uh, when it. you break it out by uh, driver responses. Okay, excellent. And uh, clearly ELDs are getting a lot of attention, but there's a huge swath of the industry that still needs to outfit its trucks with ELDs between now and uh, December of next year. Uh, but not everybody who needs an ELD has necessarily been in a hurry to install one. Uh, some may have been waiting on the outcome of a lawsuit filed by the Owner-Operator Independent Drivers Association uh, that sought to overturn the rule, but a federal appeals court upheld the mandate on October 31st, which provided some additional clarity regarding the status of the rule. Uh, but the question remains, how many carriers are going to wait until uh, the very end, and who are going to wait until the last minute to, to actually install an ELD? Uh, so, Clem, I'd like to bring you into the conversation here. Uh, what are your expect expectations on, on the, the market rollout? Uh, do you expect to see a big rush to the market at, at the end of uh, 2017, or, or will we see it play out a little bit differently? I think there will be a big rush to the market at the end of 2017. I think uh, <clears throat> what we see so far is there has not been much of a rush at all, mm -hmm. even though the rule has been in place for a year. But I think that uh, a lot of um, particularly small fleets, owner-operators and all are, are going to wait uh, and it'll put a little stress on the suppliers and all possibly toward the end of next year if they do in fact wait uh, till the, the deadline gets close. Okay. And uh, you know, just kind of looking at the status of where we're at with the rollout, uh, what's your best estimate on the number of trucks in, on the road in the U.S. today that are equipped with 
some form of ELD system or a system that pro provides electronic logging and can be updated to be compliant with the rule? Um, and, and how far do we have to go? Well, so the FMCSA, when they issued the rules, said that they estimated that they would impact about 3.1 million um, uh, trucks and buses, with the majority of those being trucks. So today, uh, I'd estimate that uh, not more than a third of those, and probably a little less than that, so somewhere between 750,000 to a million trucks uh, are equipped with um, an AOBD, uh, excuse me, an AOBRD, um, so a, a GPS fleet management system that hooks into the electronic control module. So we still have, a, based on that estimate, a couple million uh, that do not have anything. Right. Okay. And I'd like to also uh, open this up to the rest of the panel. You know, your thoughts on uh, what this rollout might look like. Uh, if anybody would like to weigh in on on uh, how soon uh, carriers, uh, you know, might make this transition and how soon they should uh, be looking at this. Anybody like to to jump into that? You know, Steve. I would encourage anyone to don't don't hesitate. This is this is the, frankly it's the best thing that's happened to this industry uh, for across the board, and in particular for every driver, both company and owner operator. My life lessons uh, combined with electronic logs have told me the errors of my way, um, because prior to going to electronic logs, I just fixed the paper accordingly and. Mm -hmm. uh, that was wrong. So it's it's a significant safety factor. Um, we've learned all kinds of lessons. I, I would encourage anyone that doesn't have them yet to to get out there today and find out how to get this done. Okay. And Alan, anything to add to that? You know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the fear of the unknown. I mean, and and really, let's face it. This that we're in the technology age. It's it. <clears throat> we need to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really think that if if companies jump on board a little bit quicker, they can probably negotiate a little better uh, price and, and uh, supply because supplies are going to be, at the end, supplies are going to be pretty limited of, of whatever device they want to use. But I think if they jump on it early enough, they could probably uh, negotiate a little better price. Okay. And Rebecca, any additional thoughts on how this rollout might play out in the year ahead? Well, uh, Seth, as part of the survey, not only did we ask folks to rank their issues, but also to select some strategies to deal mm -hmm. with that. And overwhelmingly on the issue of the ELD mandate, um, the respondents are generally concerned about connecting the dots between um, electronic logging device use and safety and what it's going to mean for the industry in terms of a producti potential productivity impact. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, uh, as Alan correctly note, cited, it's fear of the unknown. We just really don't know how this will play out. But, but certainly, um, the rule is coming. So as Steve said, you, it's, the time is now to, uh, if you have not moved over to electronic logs, to do so. Sure. And you know, speaking of uh, you know, fear of the unknown and, and what the future might look like, you know, there are a number of industry analysts are anticipating that the ELD mandate will result in you know, some extent of loss of, of freight capacity across the industry. You know, that's both for, uh, you know, as a result of better compliance with hours of service as well as uh, potentially some drivers or, or carriers exiting the industry. So I wanted to ask our panelists, uh, do you guys see, a, you know, a meaningful reduction in freight capacity coming? Are, are we going to see 
um, you know, perhaps or, you know, in the order of 5% reduction of capacity? Or uh, how do you see that shaken out, Steve? I think that will answer a question of how much fudge has been going on. Um, I've heard estimates as high as 40%. Hmm. Uh, if the fudge was that significant, then this is going to be very tough to handle. Uh, my own career, I don't think that 40% estimate is off. Hmm. I really don't. I think there was a lot of that going on. Uh, because there's never been <coughs> a way to police this industry, ever. Hmm. Uh, and I mean, go all the way back to the Pony Express days. There's just never been a way to police it. So now we have a way to police it. It's not the end all and do all, uh, but um, it, it's going to go a long way to help it. it. It really is a good thing, and, and I, it's, there's going to be a significant uh, problem in covering loads uh, as time goes along and this thing gets tighter. So prices are going to go up. Uh, it's going to have a big effect across the board. Okay. And Alan, you think that there might be some drivers uh, who do end up leaving the industry as a result of this, and do and you think that we'll see a, a result on, on freight capacity as, as hours of service compliance is more in the spotlight? I mean, there's always a possibility of losing drivers because, of, I mean, older guys like me, you know, I, I didn't grow up with the technology, so it's a little scary. So, yeah, I, th I think that we probably will lose some. Uh, but we will also gain some. But I think what has to happen is we have to have a whole different mindset, not just drivers or, or trucking companies, but shippers and receivers. Mm -hmm. uh, it, we have to change our mindset. When this, when this happens, we can, I, I really believe that we could reduce that, that impact as long as the shippers and receivers started getting on board with this and understanding that you, know, we just can't, you just can't change that, those hours that you spend at the dock. Mm -hmm. uh, so in order to reduce that impact of, of the capacity, those, uh, if those folks want their products moved, they're going to have to start jumping on board with this whole hours of service. Yeah, sure. And Rebecca, thoughts on what we might see in terms of uh, you know, a freight capacity reduction and, you know, toward the end of next year? Sure. Well, certainly there are you know, estimates from you know, 3 to 5 to as much as 10% among smaller fleets. Uh, Steve's is a little more impactful at 40 percent. Um, but certainly I think uh, Alan brings up a great point. I mean, I think it's the time is now for motor carriers and, and drivers and owner operators to start to educate their customers on what the, you know, potentially is out there for us in terms of a, an impact and how we move freight and our ability to have flexibility with uh, the hours of service. Got it. And as a reminder to our viewers, you're watching Live on Web's 2017 an ELD Odyssey, sponsored by VDO Roadlog. So we invite viewers to contribute your questions or comments, and you can send them to share at ttnews.com or make your comment uh, directly on this article page. Uh, speaking of that, we have received uh, an abundance of 100-plus uh, you know, questions uh, already you know, uh, leading up to this program. So thank you very much. Obviously, this is a, uh, a hot uh, topic for the, uh, for the industry. And I'll go ahead and turn to a, a couple of those right now. Uh, we have a question from uh, Brandon Briscoe at uh, Talon Logistics, uh, and the question is, how long do you believe it will take a driver to become comfortable running ELD? Uh, I'll pose that one to you, uh, Alan. You know, how long you know, did it take you to become really, truly comfortable you know, with that ELD? I'll tell you, the, the ELDs are so simple, and, and it really isn't changing anything that we've done before. Uh, it's still the same thing as we always do. The only difference is 
I don't have to sit there and figure out uh, how many hours I have for the day. I don't have to figure out how many hours I have on my 70. All that stuff is already done. It's, it's so simple. Um, it just, it really takes no time at all. Uh, the, the hardest part is accepting the fact that you're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, once you start, it really is, it's, it's much easier. And I actually feel I have a lot less stress. Okay. And another question I wanted to quickly uh, work in here. Uh, this is from Carrie Stevens, uh, Stars and Stripes Express. I am a small company with two trucks. Where do I start? And uh, before I pose that to the panel, I will mention that we did receive a few questions uh, asking if there's a small business exemption, if there's a certain fleet size that the ELD mandate applies to. Uh, the ELD mandate has nothing to do with the size. It could be one truck. It could be a 1,000. Uh, if your drivers currently are required to keep paper logs, uh, you'll need an ELD. Uh, with a, a few exceptions that we could uh, mention later. Um, but, you know, Carrie, to your question, uh, small company with two trucks, where do I start? Uh, what would your, be your, your recommendation, Steve, on, on where to begin? I, I would pick, uh, look at some vendors, uh, pick the one that suits you best in terms of cost and, and, and functionality, and uh, make your move. It's, it, it's not going to hurt you. It's going to help you. Got it. And uh, would, Rebecca, would you like to add to that? I, I would, Seth. Um, we actually did some research on, uh, at the time, EOBRs, Electronic Onboard right. Recorders, um, back in 2006. And, and to Steve's point, one of the things we found among the fleets that at that point had already made the move to using electronic logs was 19% um, reported improved uh, driver retention, 76% uh, improved driver morale, and 78% improved company productivity. So real pluses on a number of important metrics for trucking mm. companies. So whether you're two trucks or 2,000 trucks, I think that uh, fleets can start to experience some real benefits <coughs> as they move towards okay. deployment. Got it. Uh, and that's not to mention you know, many of the other features, you know, whether it be you know, in-cab navigation, mobile communications, you know, various other uh, features that many of these devices can provide. Uh, in addition to uh, electronic logs. Um, next up, I would like to um, play back a video that I uh, you know, recorded with Derek Powell, who's uh, President and Chief Operating Officer at Velocity Inc. Uh, they specialize in technology deployment services, and uh, I think he can provide some more insight on uh, you know, the ongoing ELD rollout. So let's go ahead and play the <coughs> audio clip from that uh, interview. And joining me is Derek Powell, President and Chief Operating Officer at Velocity, a company that specializes in technology deployments for uh, fleets. And clearly, with the ELD mandate quickly approaching, you know, we're going to see a massive roll of technology across the industry within the next 12 months. And Derek, uh, can you maybe take us through and give us your overall assessment on just how challenging this task is going to be for the industry? Oh, hi, Seth. Thanks for asking me to join today. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Um, you know, with 371 days left before the uh, initial December 18th, 2017 date hits, it's going to be a challenge for sure. Um, good news is the severity of that challenge can be managed. I mean, the, uh, you know, we've got about a year to go um, before the initial date. Um, recommendation would be if they haven't started already, um, it's time. Um, there's uh, time to work with here, but every day we miss is going to be a bigger challenge all the way from hardware through implementation. Um, and a lot of fleets are in the same boat. So in order to avoid bottlenecks, 
Um, getting on it now would be the best recommendation anyone could give. Um, and the challenge will be manageable, provided that fleets get going soon. Got it. And, you know, what's your assessment of where the industry stands right now in this rollout? I mean, think about, uh, you know, all the trucks on the road that need to have ELDs. Uh, what percentage of them have, have a device in, in the cab right now that is capable of, of performing the electronic logging duties you know, mandated by the rule? Yeah, it's difficult to say. I, I wouldn't want to put too uh, too much uh, too fine a point on it, uh, just because uh, there's there's a lot of there are a lot of opinions about that. Uh, I would probably characterize it that from our view, uh, as an independent deployment support provider covering a lot of a lot of the industry, I would say from the larger fleet perspective, let's say those with uh, two to three hundred trucks or more, I think implementation is 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 deep. Um, when you consider those that are have already implemented an ELD system uh, or are in the midst of implementing, so they have a project plan, yeah. they know their timing is going to hit a date, or those that were already AOBR, right? So we've, so we've got fleets that uh, that obviously have the extra two years on the back end of the, uh, of the end of 2017. So I think penetration is pretty big there. If you get into smaller fleets, my sense is that half or more of them um, – certainly haven't implemented and may not even have a plan um, or even the thought of a plan. And so, you know, those would really be the concerns. And if you think about the percentage of the market that that makes up, it's really significant. Um, and, and, you know, they've got to think about n not only the fact that it's a mandate and implementation has to be done, but um, supplier mandates from shippers are going to be impacting them if they haven't already. So uh, it's time okay. to get moving for sure. Got it. And would you say that the industry, or at least part, parts of the industry, are behind schedule on this, or do you think that we're still in a pretty good position now about 12 months out? You know, I think it depends on a lot of factors. Um, you know, the size of the fleet, the complexity, what level of integration they might want to do with back-end systems, there are a lot yeah. of factors there. Um, and there are other uh, roadblocks and impacts and hurdles that are going to come up that fleets you know haven't considered. Um, there are supply chain concerns. The closer you get to a date based on a finite supply to some degree, uh, the, the bigger that challenge is going to be. So uh, I, I think as a general rule for any fleet that, that doesn't have an implementation completed or doesn't have a plan in place that they're executing towards, um, I think it would be healthy, healthy to consider themselves behind the behind the ball a little bit at this point. Well, Derek made the point that you know if you don't have a plan in place now, you're already behind. And I, I do want to get our, our panel's thoughts on that. And I'll start with you, Clem. Um, you know, for those who are uh, you know still looking at this, still still getting ready to to come up with a plan. Uh, do you feel that they are indeed behind at this point? And, and what about the industry as a whole? Is the, is the industry on track or is the industry behind uh, you know, on this, this rollout of ELDs across, across the nation's fleet? Well, I think that fleets need to get going if they're, uh, if they're planning to uh, be in compliance with, with the regulations by the end of next year, especially larger fleets. Although a lot of larger fleets have um, GPS fleet management systems, which in in most cases qualify as AOBRDs, so they they would be they're not required to up, update those to ELDs until the end of 2019. Um, but I I do think that uh, the suppliers have to get going. I mean, there's it's a 
fairly complicated self-certification process. But I, I think we're going to see a lot of AOBRDs deployed next year okay. that, uh, because the ELD mandate is a 500-page document, fairly complex. Uh, AOBRD requirements are somewhat simpler, and if you can deploy AOBRDs that are upgradable over the air to ELDs, that buys you two more years. Okay. And to help our uh, audience you know, who might not be familiar with all the terms, you know, AOBRD is Automatic Onboard Recorder. That refers to um, you know, most of the devices, you know, onboard you know, devices that are available today. You know, many of your fleets already have it installed. Um, you, know, that, that's, uh, you, you have an extra two years under the, the rule to, to get compliant with the specific you know, specifications outlined in the ELD rule. Uh, so if you're an early adopter, that's the, the, the benefit that you get. Uh, you, you've already made this transition you know, most of the way, and you have an extra two years to, to complete the task. Uh, I did want to uh, pull in the rest of the panel here. You know, any additional thoughts on, on where you think the industry as a whole stands? You know, do, you, do you feel the industry is on track still, or, or are we behind? Uh, what's, what's your assessment uh, you know, to the panel, if anybody would like to, to take that? Um, you know, Steve, do you have a sense of what's happening out there? You know, some of your peers, you know, do you think that you know, they're uh, aware of this, or is there still a lot of um, you know, maybe uh, misunderstanding or, or even a lack of, of attention to this at this point? Well, I can give you uh, my own kind of survey. Um, having been, been involved with, uh, with National Tank Truck and doing surveys at the meetings to see who was and who was not on board. Mm -hmm. As time went along, and I'm going back to about seven years now, as time went along, more hands kept raising each meeting that, yeah. that they were on it. Uh, and then when I travel on business, uh, having been a truck driver, I, I look for different things. And, and I'll always look in a rest area. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed in a rest area, there's very seldom a tank truck in that rest area. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of van guys in the rest area. And my own personal feeling is, if you're going to take a 10-hour break, you're not taking it in that rest area because there's no facilities to clean up, there's no food to eat, and so forth. So um, I think that that's an indication that there's a lot of tank truckers on it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't see the problem as big for tank truckers as I do for other segments of the industry. Okay. And um, I also uh, continued to speak with Derek about uh, his advice for first-time adopters of electronic logs. So let's go ahead and play the, the second part of that, uh, of that interview. What advice would you give to first-time adopters of this technology? Well, I think it can be tempting for first-time adopters to be pretty overwhelmed by the process, and that's understandable. Um, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned for first-time adopters from those who have already adopted, um, be it AOBR or BLD. Um, and I guess I would use the expression to... to uh, that sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees and this we see this happen with fleets where um, you know the trees may tell you that you're going to suffer driver losses and productivity losses and that's understandable but the forest might tell a different story that if you can step back and look at it the benefits to be gained from ELD adoption um, through improved safety productivity planning ECM data leverage etc are really significant um, so it's a mandate. Uh, it, it has to be uh, has to be enforced, has to be followed. So it's an opportunity, really, to look at the uh, the big picture and and uh, 
benefit from a lot of the successes that others have. Um, I think that would be the biggest thing. And you mentioned earlier the you know the need for those who have not adopted to begin planning now rather than waiting uh, too long to, to really start the process. Uh, what do you see as the pitfalls of uh, you know potentially waiting until the last minute to try to, to roll out a you know an ELD product right before the minute? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think in this particular instance, uh, certainly the ELD suppliers, the community of suppliers, are more aware than anyone um, of the potential bottleneck and, and the things that can happen uh, as we get down to the deadline. So I think they're doing a, a great job of being prepared and, and trying to guide and direct fleets into making decisions so they aren't impacted by that. Um, but I think ultimately a supply chain risk is pretty significant that you get down uh, to the very end. Uh, the mandate is looming and uh, there are a lot of people in line. Um, so to be at the end of that line is obviously a risk and a concern. Um, so simply planning as far ahead as possible is a significant, um, significant need on behalf of everybody in the space. Uh, I think that's, that's probably the most important thing. Before I let you go, Derek, is there anything else, uh, any other thoughts you have on you know, this, uh, you know, this time of transition for the industry? You know, any other uh, advice or thoughts you, you give to our, our uh, viewers? You know, you know, there are a lot of things to consider. Obviously, it's an it's an overwhelming scenario. I think for the fleets out there, it'd be good to understand that there are there's a great community of suppliers, very reputable suppliers with with long relationships in the industry, um, supporting companies like ours and others that are there to make sure that the fleets are successful and have been through plenty of battles to figure out how to make that happen. Um, so it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be unclear and not know because there's been a lot of confusion around the mandate. Um, and so that's understandable. It's okay to ask those questions. Um, I think that uh, I, I think that w with an open mind towards what ELD can be, um, the, uh, the benefits are pretty undeniable from those who have been early adopters and have really leveraged the system. So I would say it's uh, it's a challenge. It's a big a big mountain to climb for some folks, uh, but there's a big network of people out there willing to support you. So don't hesitate to pick up the phone and get the process started. participate in that interview and I would also like to remind our viewers that you're watching Live on Web's 2017 and ELD Odyssey sponsored by VDO Roadlog and if you have any questions for the panel uh, you're welcome to send them over uh, just send them to share at ttnews.com or make a comment uh, directly on this article page now uh, Steve and Alan have both shared their uh, experiences with ELDs and uh, explained how they've been a, a positive uh, effect on, on uh, their businesses and, and their careers. Um, but let's also address some of the opposition that we've seen out there. Uh, you know, the, the rules in place, but as, as fleets look to their drivers and you know, maybe as they do a first-time rollout, they're going to encounter a lot of the, the, these uh, uh, you know, skepticism, uh, some you know, drivers who may be concerned about it. And to get a flavor of that, I'm going to look to some of the public comments, uh, some of the many public comments on ELDs that were filed to FMCSA. Uh, you know, many of them were filed uh, you know, both for and against the rule. Uh, but here are a couple uh, skeptical comments from drivers. Uh, here's one who says, I will quit trucking when I'm made to put an onboard recorder in my truck. I am close enough to retire now. This will be the last straw. Uh, we have another who wrote, I have run both paper and electronic. I went back to a company that runs paper. I don't need a babysitter. And uh, here's one from a small carrier. Uh, we are a small trucking company surviving but barely. This idea of having to buy and maintain an onboard recorder could be a nail in our coffin and will not make us safer. 
So um, those folks have uh, voiced concerns about driver privacy, you know, the cost of ELDs, and some skepticism that they'll improve safety. Um, you know, to kind of respond to, to some of these uh, concerns, uh, I'll start with you, Steve. Uh, what do you think about uh, you know some of those comments, some of those concerns? Uh, you know, you, you've addressed the safety side and pretty clearly. Um, you know, but maybe you can touch on that again as well as uh, you know, privacy and, and cost issues. I have a, uh, a friend of mine uh, in northern Maine, uh, just sold his tractor trailer uh, a few months ago. And he's 64, 65. So I said, Roger, what are you going to do? He said, I'm all done. He said, that, that mandate's coming out in December. I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've heard that from others that are my generation or close to it. Uh, but then I see it on the young side, because we've, we've gone to a lot of young drivers recently. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do that. I started my driving career almost 22 years old. <clears throat> and for some reason, I wouldn't hire somebody that young. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it was the fear of falling asleep at the wheel, which I did many times when I was a young driver, even rolling one over having fallen asleep. Um, you can ask any driver from my era that or people that drove electronic logs early in their career, uh, I would guarantee you that just about every one of them uh, spent some time sleeping over the wheel and waking up having a, a nightmare that they're driving off the cliff. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what kept me from hiring those young drivers. Today, because of electronic logs, I look for young drivers. Uh, because the young drivers today, they don't want to be gone like Alan and I would be gone. They, they don't want that. Right. They want to be home. So I believe that leadership in this industry has to find ways to get them home, can't put them out there for days and weeks and months on end, um, and look for young guys because now you've got a tool to monitor them. You're not punishing them by all different odds, uh, odd hours and things like that. The electronic log is a big game changer. Got it. And Alan, uh, what about your uh, thoughts on some of the continued you know, concerns and, and skepticism on the part of some drivers and, and, and some companies as well? Uh, you know, what would you say to those who are still uh, you know, very uh, concerned about uh, what this change will bring? Well, for, first of all, I don't think anybody's babysitting me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clear that out. Sure. Uh, but, but to be honest with you, I mean, as, as far as safety goes, uh, I think that as a driver, and, and I don't think I'm alone, I mean, we all go out to drive as safe as we can. You know, none of us go out, you know, get up in the morning and say, I'm going to go out and have an accident today. <laughs> right. and, and the logging isn't any different than what it ever was before. Uh, it's just, again, the, the fear of the unknown. You know, I, I've had drivers say, well, you know, what happens at the end of your 14 hours, your truck just shuts off. <laughs> well, well, obviously that wouldn't be very safe. Um, but it doesn't do that. Again, it's, it's, there's so much talk. And you know as well as I do what happens, you know, when you start a rumor, it, it just escalates. Um, is it going to be different? Sure. But it's, it's so much easier. Um, and and you, you don't have to worry about where you are, how much time you have. Everything is everything's done. The record keeping is awesome. Okay. Because you do nothing. Yeah, we, we did get a question um, along these lines from Stephen Bojan, uh, who's a vice president of... Uh, Fleet Risk Services at Hub International. Uh, his question is, how do you sell ELDs to an older driver pool? So, you know, we talked about the younger drivers. Uh, what about the, you know, the older drivers who, who are more, uh, likely more resistant? Uh, what, what, what do you say to them? I, I would just say just try it. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, because it really, it is, it's a whole lot easier than paper logs. It's, it's much easier. Um, I came from a construction company early on in my career, and it was nothing for us to go uh, take a load 20 minutes away, take five minutes to dump the load and, and 20 minutes back. Well, you try to do that on a paper log all day and see how difficult that is. Um, because all of a sudden, if you, if you try to log all that, you know, now you're averaging 70, 75 mile an hour and you're sitting there trying to figure out how to make that work where you're, <laughs> where you're not averaging that because paper logs are 15 minute increments. Mm -hmm. the, the electronic logs are by the minute yeah. and it's just so much easier. I, I, you don't have to worry about any of that. Yeah, it does it for you. you know, yeah, with the, you absolutely. Know, the recording. Um, I'm gonna go back to one more public comment on the ELD rule that highlights another issue that's, that's related to this. Uh, and this commenter wrote, I believe ELDs are an overall good thing, uh, but having used them for two years now, there are issues that must be addressed. Drivers face real world hours of service issues every day that the FMCSA has not, but must address to be fair. Drivers often run out of hours waiting to load and unload and must leave a location in violation to find a place to take a required break. Shippers and receivers do not care that the drivers are out of hours, and most do not allow drivers to take a break on their premises." Uh, end quote. Um, so I, let me quickly add that we should keep in mind that ELDs don't change the actual hours of service rule, they only change how it's recorded. Uh, that being said, more precise tracking of hours of service uh, can bring some of these issues to the forefront, you know, whether it's uh, you know, detention time or, or finding available truck parking. And uh, you know, Rebecca, I know Atri recently uh, published the findings of his uh, truck parking diaries, which identified some of the relationships between uh, ELDs and, and parking. So, could you, could you quickly uh, uh, go over some of the, the findings there? Absolutely. And um, this was research where we asked drivers to keep a 14 day diary of their truck parking issues. Where did I park? How long did it take me to find parking? Um, how far in advance of running out of available hours did I? go ahead and park because I was afraid I wouldn't find parking down the road. And relative to electronic logs, we did find that among drivers who were already using electronic logs, they spent, they were more likely to spend more than 30 minutes looking for available parking. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because I think they appreciate that, you know, the minute they're over hours, they're over hours. So they needed to um, invest more time looking for a spot where they were, whether that be outside of a shipper facility or as they move on down the road, um, downstream from, from a delivery or a pickup. Um, and when we analyzed the um, open-ended responses that so many drivers put in, they did make that connection between uh, no longer having a 15-minute window that you have on a paper log um, and the need to secure parking or make the choice to unfortunately park in undesignated or unauthorized parking like on a shoulder ramp or somewhere mm -hmm. else. Okay. Uh, so clearly, uh, I think uh, another takeaway here is that there will be a need for uh, communication on the part of uh, carriers, on the part of uh, uh, shippers and, and brokers, all kind of working together to, to make sure you know, they're all you know, aware of hours of service and, and, you know, and really think about what they need to do to, to make it work. Uh, here's a question from uh, Lonnie Rethaber from River, uh, River Valley Express. Uh, do you think that the ELD mandate, once in effect, will help hold shippers and receivers accountable for load and unloading times, and uh, will it eventually curb waiting times? Uh, I'll kick that one to you, Steve. I mean, do you think that having ELDs in place will uh, kind of raise the, the level you know, the, of the, the you know, driver detention issue to you know, reaching a point where uh, that uh, gets streamlined a little bit? 
Without question. Uh, the electronic log forces every company to count every minute of every hour. Uh, so if you've got a truck sitting at a dock, we don't have them sitting at a dock, but if we've got a, a truck sitting at a customer, uh, we've got to get paid for that because we, we pay our driver for that. Um, so the electronic logs really change that and you have to do a, a, a good job of educating the shippers. Good shippers want to listen to you because they want to know you're going to be there for them. Uh, so you've got to constantly talk to them and let them know, look, the driver only has so many hours. He's, he's got to get out of there. Um, we've got to keep them legal. Um, and we found customers that do listen to that. Okay. Any additional thoughts on that, uh, uh, Alan? You know, sort of how, how uh, you know, the, the ELDs would, would affect the relationship between the, you know, the carrier and the shipper kind of working together? Yeah, and again, as I said before, I think it's just everybody has to have a change of mindset mm -hmm. um, because it's it you can't you and I and I don't think that originally or initially the shippers might not be on board with it, um, but as they go along and and they start realizing that they aren't having the trucks come in to haul that stuff out because of of the the fourteen hours and and that's it, um, I think that they'll start catching on to that whole issue that. Hey, look, you know, I want my I want my product shipped. So if I need to get it shipped, I need to make sure there are trucks here that have available hours, and so I need to make sure that I keep them off my dock. Is is and and again, it's just it's a change of mindset for everybody. Okay. okay. Now, when you consider how many devices still will need to be deployed to comply with the ELD mandate, uh, it should be no surprise that we've seen an explosion of uh, vendors in the market, um, you know, jumping in ahead of the mandate. Um, you know, a lot of technology companies uh, and, and a lot of the new products are aimed at you know, basically just achieving compliance with the mandate at a low cost. Um, you know, uh, some of these are using smartphones and tablets in, in conjunction with a device in the cab. Um, you know, and of course the more traditional uh, systems use uh, uh, onboard recorders and, and often, um, you know, fixed mount displays in the cab, you know, that many, uh, many of the larger fleets are already have been using for years. Uh, so carriers will still be able to select from a large menu of ELD systems from a variety of vendors. Uh, and Clem, I'd like to uh, get your thoughts on you know, just how the ELD market has, has changed and, and how this mandate has changed you know, transportation technology um, you know, as carriers and vendors prepare for this mandate. Well, I think, I think success success there are a lot, a lot of, new of new players, players coming in to the field to try to, to take advantage of, of uh, What's expected to be a uh, expected to be a hockey stick growth uh, over the next year, and possibly beyond that. I mean, we we anticipate that uh, probably over a million ELDs or um, AOBRDs will be deployed next year, and and that will still leave quite a few trucks without the system because I think they're going to be a fair number who are going to apply for exemptions. Um, maybe shortages of uh, if everybody waits until the fourth quarter next year, I don't think suppliers will be able to keep up with the demand except possibly with very basic solutions uh, such as bring your own device and you know, a plug-in to the uh, to the ECM and a wireless connection, Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. So, um, um, yeah. So, it 
I think there will be a lot of demand next year. I think that uh, demand will continue. Uh, there, there could be delays. I'm not sure that uh, public safety is, is fully prepared uh, on their end to, uh, to deal with the ELD situation and whether they can prepare over the next year is, is still a question. Okay. And Clem, you raise an interesting point on, on the enforcement side. And I got a question from Mike Kelly, who's uh, VP of External Affairs at uh, YRC. Uh, what will the hours of service ELD compliance landscape look like for motor carriers and highway patrol officers on December 18th, 2017, or shortly thereafter? Uh, so, you know, the question really gets at, you know, how prepared will fleets be? How prepared will law enforcement be? Uh, thoughts from, from the panel on, on uh, you know, the other side of the equation with, with law enforcement and, and the training that needs to happen there. Uh, Steve, are you uh, confident that uh, they'll be ready, or are, there some, are you con concerned at all that you know, there needs to be a, a learning process on that side, too? I, I've thought about that often, um, because what we've seen, as soon as we put the flag on our truck that we carry electronic logs, we kind of get waved through. Yeah. Uh, I've even heard rumors that some carriers don't want the electronic logs, but they put the sticker on there. <laughs> However, that, I, I, if that's true or not, I don't know. But that, so that just tells me that... that Perhaps there's something missing on, on the enforcement side, and I hope that they uh, then get up to speed because this, this is so critical for mm -hmm. our industry. It's going to give us, it's going to give our integrity back. Uh, this industry, uh, you, you know, forever it's been thought of, well, if you want to hear a story about why something's not there, just call a trucker because he'll give you all kinds of stories. We need to get rid of that. Yeah. And, and this, this whole process will, will change that. I really believe that. Okay. And uh, Rebecca, do you have some thoughts on, well, on it, this? Well, it's interesting because, you know, on the one hand, uh, uh, an enforcement officer may wave you by because they assume you're compliant because of that um, sticker that says you're using electronic log. But the, the other side of that is they may be waving you along because they are uncomfortable potentially having to look at and, and audit um, your right. hours based on that electronic log. So there's no question that... Um, there's going to be need to be a lot of education and training on the part of um, enforcement personnel um, through organizations sure. like the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance to make sure that everyone is generally comfortable doing what they need to do in terms of auditing logs when they're doing it roadside on an electronic log. Okay. And changing gears just a little bit here, uh, we have gotten multiple questions about uh, you know the future of the of the mandate and the future of the rule. Uh, given the change in administration uh, post-election, uh, folks are wondering if the rule might be delayed or, or uh, repealed under the incoming Trump administration. Um, you know, I'll quickly add to that. I'll, I'll bring the panelists in, but I think it's important to keep in mind that this wasn't just a FMCSA regulatory action. You know, Congress directed FMCSA to, de to develop the ELD rule in the uh, 2012 Highway Funding Bill, uh, MAP 21. Um, and, uh, of course, just looking at the industry, I mean, there are some such as OIDA who have opposed the mandate. Uh, ATA supports it, and uh, we have examples of, uh, you know, carriers and, and drivers who support it, and there are, you know, a few among, among many. Uh, so to me, it seems pretty unlikely that the rule, uh, which was finalized and published last year, would be repealed at this point. Um, you know, of course, nobody truly knows what the future holds, but um, I'll ask the panel for, for thoughts on that. Uh, Clem, do you have any... any uh, uh, anything to add to, to my take on that? No, I think you covered it pretty well, Seth. I think, uh, you know, the the industry and, you know, the ATA and other organizations are behind it. 
I think if they were not, there might be more of a likelihood that uh, the Trump administration, which doesn't really like regulations on businesses, uh, could take action. They still might, um, but uh, I don't think so. Okay. Any other thoughts from the panel on this, or, or does that pretty much cover the basis? I just think it's become uh, very real that safety is, is enhanced with these things. Okay. And that, that's, they're not going to change this. Okay. And uh, you know, going to a few more of our, uh, our questions here, uh, and thanks again to our, our viewers for, for submitting so many ahead of time. Um, you know, Jonathan Letty, who's a general manager at uh, Letty Transportation Enterprises, asks, uh, what do you expect to see happen with smaller trucking companies once the ELD rule is implemented? Um, he was asking about advantages versus disadvantages with larger companies versus smaller companies. Um, you know, I'll say that, of course, it, uh, you know, ELDs mean that everybody's on a level, level playing field, everybody's operating by the same rules. And uh, I'll ask our panel if they have any uh, additional thoughts of uh, what this will mean, you know, the, the sort of the, the, the relationship between larger companies and smaller companies under the rule. Well, I think I'm <clears throat> uh, qualified to answer that one because when I started with electronic logs, we had 27 or 28 trucks. Hmm. We now have 55. Uh, so it hasn't slowed us down. It's enhanced us. Okay. Uh, so uh, please don't be afraid of this thing. It, it is a good thing. Any other, other thoughts from the uh, panel on, you know, uh, what the operating environment will look like for small companies? Anything to add to that, uh, Rebecca? Or well, I mean, there's no question that there is a capital outlay you have to make to invest in electronic logs, sure. which um, a smaller fleet might be less able to do up front, but, but it is the law, um, and it will level the playing field for everyone. So, you know, your ability to deliver a load will be comparable to what a large fleet is based on the hours of service rules as um, recorded by electronic logging devices. Okay, and I would add to that that, you know, going back to the market evolution we were discussing earlier, uh, these, you know, these ELD devices aren't necessarily going to be exorbitantly expensive. I mean, you know, many of these are going to be, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, very affordable for, you know, a single owner operator. Um, you know, it, it really just depends on what you want to do. I mean, if you want something that's very basic that simply complies with the rule, um, there will be some basic options uh, available. Um, and of course, you know, for those who want to do more, who want to, to really drive uh, the efficiency of their fleets with uh, navigation and mobile communications and engine data and, you know, you know driver performance tracking and all that, um, you know, that's available from, from some of the, the higher end systems. So there's going to be a whole, you know, gamut, a whole, you know, range of, of different capabilities that will be available on the market. Um, and uh, also, um, you know, we've, we've received several questions about uh, exemptions. I do want to touch on this uh, quickly. I, I will mention that we, we dis, dis, you know, described in detail many of the, you know, the, the minor exemptions to the rule you know, during our March Live on Web, so I'd encourage you to check that one out if you haven't, uh, but not until you finish watching this one. Uh, but, you know, just as a basic rule of thumb, you know, just keep in mind that, you know, if, you're if your drivers currently need to keep uh, paper log books, they will almost certainly need to keep uh, 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 you know, their, their logs on ELDs moving forward. Um, now, there are some exemptions. There's uh, a question I got from Jeff Jones of Truck Country. 
Um, how will we be able to transport trucks from the plant to the dealership as well as to the various vendors for upfits prior to delivery when the trucks will not yet be equipped with ELDs? Uh, I believe that this would fall under uh, the drive-away tow-away exemption. Uh, there is an exemption in the rule for uh, situations where the vehicle is the product being delivered, uh, and I believe that would apply in this case. Uh, we got a question from uh, Denise Garneau. Um, I own a 1982 Peterbilt and understand that I am exempt from ELDs, but is there a stipulation that the exempt truck must be owned 18 months prior to the enforcement day? Uh, the exemption that's in the rule is for trucks that predate model uh, year 2000. And uh, my understanding of that exemption is it has to do with vehicle connectivity issues with older trucks. Uh, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't have to do with who owns the truck. So uh, you'll be fine. Uh, and uh, as a side note, I'll say that your Peterbilt was born the same year as I am. I was, so. <laughs> and my gray hair is starting to come in. But, but thank you for your question. Uh, you have a question from uh, uh, Lisa Gonerman of uh, uh, Ruan. Uh, any guidance or direction to companies looking at ELD vendors uh, you know, on the certification process? Um, how do we feel comfortable a company is going to meet the requirements? Uh, the, the point I would make on that is the certification process is, is ultimately a vendor self-certification process. It, it's uh, incumbent on the, the vendor to uh, ensure that they meet the, the specifications of the rule uh, and then they uh, certify it with uh, FMCSA. So there certainly could be a situation where a, a vendor self-certifies and is later found to be an issue um, on the enforcement side. So I would say that if you're out there looking to, to adopt uh, technology, you know, certainly talk to the companies, make sure you're comfortable with them, uh, and pick a vendor that you, you trust. And I, I'd ask uh, uh, you know, Steve and Alan as well uh, as, as um, uh, electronic log users, you know, what recommendations would you make? Uh, you know, not specific to any products, but you know, to, to cons make sure they make a wise decision when they go to the market. Well, without promoting any specific vendor, if you don't mind. <laughs> I would just say uh, perhaps older is wiser. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's, that would be my thought. But I, one of the things that we've done is we, we, now we can tell if somebody's going too fast, uh, if he's made a, a, a hard turn, a hard braking incident. So we've got all of that technology in the truck. So I just think if you're going to go for part of it, why, you know, why go halfway? Go all the way and, and get the whole thing done. If you're just an independent single operator maybe you don't need that um, unless you're a really bad driver but uh, just be very cautious which one you pick that so you don't have to buy it all over again okay would anybody else like to weigh in that before we move on yeah I, i'd just like to say that you know i mean you'd buy it like you'd buy anything else yeah, i mean when you go into the vendor you want to make sure that he's going to warrant basically his product you know, so that, you know, you go into it with that understanding, <clears throat> hey, I'm going to buy this, but if there's something that's not working, if there's something that's not, not um, working according to the, the rule, then you need to fix that so that it comes into compliant. You know, I'm buying this sure. product because it's supposed to be compliant, so I want to have some kind of a, a written backing that, that you will fix it if it isn't. Okay, and Clem, I'll, I'll bring you into this as well. Uh, what, what thoughts would you have and, and maybe any recommendations on uh, you know, companies that are looking to go to, the, to market and, and, and find an ELD product 
you know, again, without uh, you know, naming specific vendors, uh, how, how would you suggest that they go about that process? Well, I, I would pick um, a well-known company, if it, you know, perhaps one that you have experience with, and if you don't have experience with any of them, uh, you know, companies that are, that are established, or uh, you know, if you like a product and don't have experience, try it. Get a 30-day trial or something, and put it on a few trucks and see if it does, you know, what it's supposed to do and appears to meet the requirements. Uh, get a guarantee from for the vendor that it will meet the requirements and that if it doesn't, uh, they're going to take care of that. Um, and maybe get some reference accounts. Who else is, have they sold to and talk to them? Got it. And I uh, got a, a good question, a couple of good questions about what happens when a, an ELD device, uh, you know, malfunctions. Uh, that is something you'll have to keep in mind. Um, you know, what happens when the main ELD device doesn't work and you still have to deliver the freight? Uh, what are the options to keep moving? And I got a question here from uh, Deborah Morgan of uh, Stevens Van Lines. Um, you know, we started part of our fleet on ELDs. You know, my problem has been with malfunctioning units. Uh, the driver was not aware of a problem, and our people monitoring the ELDs in the offices were not aware. Uh, only when reports for each unit was run uh, did we find out that we had missing information. And of course, this Im Im impacts uh, taxes. And uh, you know, uh, how is this going to be handled? So, what's in the rule? Um, if an ELD malfunctions, the driver is required to, to keep a paper log as a backup and uh, to reconstruct logs for the past seven days if you can't get that from the ELD. Uh, and the ELD itself must be repaired or replaced within eight days. So that's not a whole lot of time. You know, if, if you have a problem with your ELDs, you'll have to, to fix it uh, pretty swiftly. Um, so you'll want to have a plan, I think, for how to handle these situations. And uh, you may, you know, Derek, I'll, I'll say on, on his behalf that uh, you may want to consider also, you know, monitoring the, the, the health of those devices so you know right away when there's a problem. Uh, what about uh, you, Steve? Have you had, any, had many problems with, uh, you know, ELDs uh, malfunctioning, or, and how have you handled it when that when From, that from time to time, you'll have uh, some problems. We had some problems with some antennas, but um, in our company, we consider it not a service item. So if, if, if it happens while the truck is out, when he comes in, it's out until it's fixed. Mm -hmm. uh, the drivers really raise a stink because they don't want to go back to the paper. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Uh, and they would have to go back to that as a backup you know, in the event that an ELD fails, um, though it would be you know, the, the, the fleet's responsibility to, to, to quickly repair that. Uh, Alan, do you have thoughts on uh, you know, that process? I've, I've been on paper or ELDs for 10 years, and I have not done a paper log other than <laughs> doing something like okay. this, where I can't log into the to the unit. Um, but I've not done a paper log since. Okay. So, and you have have you had any uh, problems at all with um, ELD malfunctions, and have, has it been smooth sailing for you? Uh, and I know there have been a few mm -hmm. uh, throughout the fleet, but uh, and again, it usually pops up that you need to keep a paper log, but. Um, like you say, in 10 years, I've never had to have that happen, but, but I know there have been a few. Okay. And uh, another question here from uh, Jared Thompson of JAT of Fort Wayne. Uh, could you please address personal conveyance, you know, how the wall reads and what is acceptable, what is not? Um, you know, it's a little bit of a gray area, I think, but you know, ultimately the, the use of the truck for personal conveyance uh, is recorded um, 
you know, not as, not as on-duty driving, but as off-duty time. And uh, also for yard moves, uh, you know, within a restricted facility, uh, that's recorded as, as on-duty, but not driving time. Uh, so that, you know, that is built into the ELD mandate. There's, there's uh, you know, that is taken uh, into account. Um, and uh, now that we've answered most of those uh, questions about uh, the exemptions to the rule, uh, I will also add that uh, you know there's an exemption for short haul. I mean, if you're currently operating under the 100, 150 air mile radius exemptions, uh, or if you keep paper logs no more than eight out of 30 days, uh, in those cases you won't need an ELD. But if you don't fit under any of the exemptions we've described earlier, um, you know you'll you'll need an ELD. Um, now that we're uh, nearing the end here, I did want to go back to our panel for you know, some final thoughts to share with our readers as they you know, make these preparations for the ELD mandate and really try to, uh, to wrap their, their heads around uh, exactly what they need to do uh, to get ready for it. Uh, so Steve, any kind of parting thoughts for uh, our, our audience? When, when you first implement them, um, you're going to have some service problems. Uh, your planning's got to change dramatically. Um, we, right after we did that uh, change, we had an uh, inspector come in for, for whatever reason. And uh, when she was leaving, we said to her, you know, what happens? The driver is 20 minutes away, half an hour away, whatever. Uh, can we move? No, she said. And she made it very plain. Plan better. Mm -hmm. And those were powerful words, and, and so it's taken us a, a, a significant amount of time to do it. So plan better, and then be aware of very creative drivers. <laughs> um, uh, for example, we had one early on where the driver was running out of time 15 minutes before the terminal. Well, he made a phone call to his buddy, who he knew had been home, and said, hey, what's your ID so I can log me out and log you in and I get home? So. These are things that you go through, you learn, and right. you got to monitor them because you get in big trouble with that. Okay. Uh, final thoughts on on this big transition uh, to ELDs, you know, uh, Alan. You know, what what would you like to leave our, our viewers with? Well, probably the hardest part about it for a driver is planning the end of the year day. Uh, and what I've found is I usually have three different points, so that if I get to my first point, if I still have time. I can get to the second point. If I still have time, I can get to the third point. It's a lot more of a planning your end of your day. Uh, but the bottom line is technology's here. You know, um, the old saying, if uh, stationary is imaginary, if you're not moving forward, you're falling behind. So, I mean, it's here. The, the only thing is we just have to embrace it and make it work the best we can. Got it. And Rebecca, your final thoughts on, on ELDs? Well, certainly from a research standpoint, it will be interesting to see, for instance, in next year's Top Industry Issues Survey, um, where the ELD mandate ranks. Will it drop from the number one position because so many fleets and drivers have moved over and it have realized it's not the end of the world for them? Or will there be this collective panic among those who have not deployed yet that, oh my gosh, now we're really up against the wall and, and it stays in a high position? So that's one point. Um, and the other will to be, it will be interesting to see how this relationship between truck parking, um, shipper sure. uh, detention, and uh, full deployment of electronic logs plays out. So from a research standpoint, there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon. You bet. A lot, a lot from a, a truck journalist standpoint, too. We'll be busy writing about this, I'm sure, for you know, well beyond a year. Uh, Clem, any uh, final thoughts you have uh, you know, on, on the subject? Yeah, I would I would suggest to uh, trucking fleets that they not wait too long. 
to look into the various vendors that are available. Don't wait till the fourth quarter of next year. There'll be a lot of choices and you want to have enough time to to make a, a good choice. I mean, they'll be very low cost solutions, but they may have drawbacks. So spend uh, the time researching what's available and uh, don't wait till the last minute. There may be shortages of from some suppliers. Uh, so it's an important decision. Great. Well, this has been a great conversation, but we've run out of time, so we'll have to leave it there. You've been watching Live on Web. Tune in again on February 8th as we explore driver safety issues. Let me again extend our gratitude to Steve, Alan, Rebecca, Clem, and Derek for participating in today's webcast. I'd also like to thank Continental's Video Roadlog for sponsoring this program. If you missed part of the show or would like to watch it again, check out the replay, which will be posted later today on our website, ttnews.com, and on liveonweb.ttnews.com. Until next time, I'm Seth Clevenger, Technology Editor at Transport Topics. Thank you for watching.